Another wasted effort from Jacob DeGrom, at least in terms of uh, wins and losses. Jacob DeGrom, 10 strikeouts, 8 innings, 1 run allowed yesterday. A game that finished today in a loss for the Mets. We're now five or 11-16 and 16 in games started by Jacob DeGrom this year, which is unbelievable. We welcome on right now former general manager of the New York Mets. You can hear him on SiriusXM. It is Steve Phillips. And uh, how are you today, Steve? No, I'm doing great. Good to be with you. How about Jacob DeGrom? He's got to be the Cy Young Award winner to me, and I don't – beyond the wins and losses, I don't know the argument you could make against him. What um, What do you think about DeGrom's chances here? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. All I keep hearing is that it's a three-man race with Aaron Nola, who's had a great year with the Phillies, mm-hmm. and Max Scherzer with the Nationals and DeGrom. I, I think it's a one-man race. Honestly, I think Jacob DeGrom is the hands-down – leader in the clubhouse right now. Uh, if Nola's had a great year, Scherzer's had a great year, but they don't compare to what DeGrom has done at all. I mean, think about this for Jacob DeGrom. Uh, the, the opponents that he's pitched against this year in the 27 games, you know, people are saying, well, he hasn't pitched against anybody good. He hasn't, he hasn't pitched any big games. The opposing pitcher in the 27 starts that DeGrom has made this year, the combined ERA of those games for the opposing pitchers, 2.49. That would rank as the fourth best ERA of in the National League. It's between Max Scherzer and Mike Fultonevich. That's where 2.49 falls in. So every start that Grom made, he pitched against the guy between Scherzer and Fultonevich in the National League. It's been phenomenal. How about his his? You break down him month by month. I don't think we've seen anything this consistent in years mm. with what he's been able to do. He's got 24 consecutive starts, so three or fewer runs, tying Dwight Gooden's run back in 1985. The highest month, the worst month that Jacob DeGrom has had is a 2.36 earn run average. Huh. That's his worst month in the month of June. That's almost it's Nolan Scherzer territory. I, I mean, think about it. He, right, exactly. Scherzer's got a 2.22 ERA. He, that was the worst month for Jacob DeGrom right there. In that same month, Nola, 1-4 with a 2.36 ERA in June. It's not even close. DeGrom has had the best season by far. You can't argue wins. Uh, you can't argue wins because DeGrom pitched against the fourth-best pitcher in the National League every single time he's gone out to pitch. People say, oh, well, Nola ensures the matchup. But that's what DeGrom's faced every single game this year. Uh, so to me, it's it's a no-brainer. DeGrom should get the award. Do you worry, as you mentioned, how good the opposing pitchers have been against him or how bad the Mets' offense has been, really? But he's pitched in so many close games all season long. We are almost five months into this thing, and the schedule's tough for DeGrom in the final month of September. Do you worry about him, though, as he's going to hit a career high in innings pitched, as uh, he's going to continue to go through this season, that he's going to be able to withstand the pressures of a Cy Young and I think mentally, physically exhaustion from all of these close games that he has pitched in. Yeah, you know, I, I think that, that I don't worry about it. I honestly think it's what's driving him every time he goes out there, that he strives for perfection. Uh, and, you know, I think there may even be some advantage of knowing that he's not getting a lot of run support. You know, some guys it paralyzes uh, that if not going to get run support, they feel like they need to be perfect, and then they become so imperfect. I think for him, it's motivated him uh, to be as, as good as he could possibly be. So I'm not really worried about it. Now, the fatigue factor, what I do worry about is possibly next year a little bit. Uh, I don't think we're going to see the sort of innings pitch fatigue factor. He threw 200 last year. He's going to go beyond that this year. 
Uh, but I think that, that next year may be early. They're going to have to protect him some. But, listen, I let him go all out for it right now, get that Cy Young Award, put together one of the best seasons any Met pitchers ever had, and, and celebrate that. And that's, that's saying a lot, best season for a Mets pitcher. Uh, you mentioned Doc Gooden, 85 before, and now you can uh, compare it in terms of how consistent DeGrom has been. He's up there with Tom Seaver in some of the things that he has done here. It has been a phenomenal year. And this is a guy who at the All-Star break, his agent, you know, crowed for a, a contract. If DeGrom does finish this out, wins a Cy Young, how should the Mets handle their contract discussions with him this offseason? Boy, he's a tough He's a tough guy because you know when he does go to free agency after 2020 he's gonna be 33 years old uh josh donaldson is in that position right now as a position player right when donaldson was Degrom's age he was the mvp of the american league uh he was you know had another good year after then injury started to take a toll and, and everything else and, you know what analytics tell everybody right now is the older you are the more diminished your performance can be and you become vulnerable uh and i think that certainly uh, when you look at this, I think that, that uh, you know, it's a tough place to be, and it's going to take Jacob DeGrom willing to acknowledge what the market speaks to about age uh, and how it impacts contracts. If they're going to have any ability to be able to do it, if he wants to get paid based upon this year at his age, 33, 34, 35, 36, and get a, you know, a five-year contract, I don't think the Mets are going to be able to play in that range. And they'll play it out for the next two years, let them pitch, and then decide what to do. Uh, there's got to be a realistic point of view for DeGrom to understand that his free agency at the age of 33, he's not going to go out there and capitalize on a $30 million a year contract. He's just not going to get it when he waits to that point. So he's got to try to find some middle ground. If they can do that, then I think both sides, sides should make a deal. Will you be hesitant to go five years with DeGrom? Uh, boy, paying him till about 36, 37. Well, oh, five years from now, so it would be 35, 36. Is that realistic? Five years from the end of this season? I, I would be willing to go there, but it would, it would mean, though, that his age, you know, 34, 35, 36 years are not based upon his, his age 31 performance, his age 30 performance. You know, it's got to be based upon some understanding that he will diminish and, and we don't know if he will or he won't what we do know is almost everybody does and every player wants to look at themselves as the anomaly you know that that I, I don't care what everybody else does I'm in better shape I work harder I take care of myself I do all those things you've heard it from I listen I heard it from Jose Batista heard it from in Toronto he wanted a five-year 150 million dollar contract uh, you know going into age 34 35 and the team's like yeah no the analytics tell us the older you are and he said, yeah, but I keep myself in better shape than everybody else. Donaldson was saying the same thing. Uh, and, and you might believe it, but, but, you know, the reality is guys don't sustain their health and success for that period of time. So a five-year deal is, is not unreasonable to ask for. Uh, but for the Mets, it's not going to be paying him coming off of a, a Cy Young season like he's going to be a Cy Young pitcher at 34, 35, and 36. Can't do it. You're going to get burned if you do. So five years, one ten. Would you start there if you're the Mets? Yeah, I do that. I would absolutely. I would do that. I do five years, one ten. Starting right now, I would do it. You're buying out a couple arbitration years, uh, and maybe he's getting some premium on the front end of that. Uh, I would do that. But I mean, if we're starting to talk about you know five at one fifty, uh, something in that range, you know, you've got okay. David Price got the seven at two seventeen. I'm not going that high. 
And we're talking again with Steve Phillips right now, former general manager of the Mets. You can hear him on Sirius XM. Uh, a couple other things happening uh, along here with the Mets. Uh, Pete Alonso, uh, the Mets really making it official yesterday that they will not be calling him up. And it's crowded at first base. They're trying to find out about Jay Bruce. They've got Wilmer Flores, Dom Smith, that they want to continue to get a, a look at as well. Uh, but Alonzo said he was you know, heartbroken and disheartened uh, by the decision not uh, for him not to be called up. Uh, what do you make of that call by the Mets? I think it's the right call. Uh, I think that he won't make the team out of spring training next year, even if they decide all these guys can't play first base. Uh, he's not going to make the team out of spring training next year either. Why would you do it? You're probably not going to win your division. Uh, I would wait until at least April 12th, 13th, 14th, then call him up. You know, when you have a top-flight prospect, uh, you want to maximize his time in, a, in your team's uniform. The Blue Jays are dealing with this with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You know, he's ready to go to the big leagues and hit. There's no question in my mind he'd go to the big leagues and hit right now. But they're not going to call him up, and he's not going to make the team out of spring training. They're going to treat him like Chris Bryant. They're going to wait, call him up, you know, uh, what will be 15 or 16 days into the season uh, so that he'll accumulate no more than 171 days of service. So that means that he will be a free agent after the 2025 season. Instead of if you brought him up right now, he'd be a free agent after the 2024 season. And why for 30 September games would you want to sacrifice an entire season in 2025 uh, for a player and having control of them. You shouldn't do it. It would be malpractice to do it. And I think the Mets are doing absolutely the right thing. And, and you know, I know players get upset by it. And, and, and you know, well, the fans the too. Perfect. Yeah, but you got to get over it. So wouldn't you rather see him in your, uni- your team uniform for the longest period of time? Wait, uh, comparing him to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he's, well, what, four years older than Guerrero? He's not as big a prospect. I and mean, this shouldn't be as much of a concern for Alonzo as it is in, in some other situations that I can understand more readily. 30, can, do you think he can hit 30 home runs at first base? Yeah. Okay, then why would you want to bring him up for 30 games in September that are meaningless, that mean absolutely nothing, that would mean that he'd be a free agent one entire year sooner than if you wait until next year, 15 days into the season. It just doesn't make any sense. I think, I think the, the other the, here's the thing. People get worked up about this. And players are like, oh, it's so unfair. It's so unfair that players can't get called up because of service time and everything else. The Mets are paying David Wright $20 million a year for not playing at all. They, they, players have guaranteed contracts. If, if the union – and players and agents don't like the service time issue of when you get called up and everything else, I'm sure general managers in the commissioner's office and owners would absolutely be willing to change that rule to give up guaranteed contracts. I mean, I mean, David Wright, I mean, what's, what's the more egregious situation? What's, and I love David Wright, and it's not his fault at all. But the Mets are on the hook for $20 million a year. Now they got insurance. Unfortunately for them, they've, they've locked in on it. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, you're paying players $20 million per year, and they could underperform. You don't get any discount on the money. Nobody's paying you back that money. And there's a lot more money wasted from the club's perspective than the advantage gained by manipulating the service time factor even a little bit. Not even close. The number, every team's got a guy making money that's getting way overpaid, underperforming, or he's sitting on the DL and he's paying them and they, they're getting nothing for their money. And we're going to complain about 15 extra days of service time for a guy being held back. It's not even close. There's an imbalance that is so significant. By far, the scales are tipped inside of the, uh, the players over owners 
when it comes to to contracts and service time. Well, we have seen players getting a, a lesser share of the pie over the years, and you know that's that factors into all this as well. As teams have gotten smarter in terms of how they manipulate these kinds of things, no? Well, they're smarter in how they evaluate players and where they assign value, uh, and uh, you know th- there's still plenty of money to be had. That the the what's changed is. When teams are willing to spend that money, they're willing to spend it on a 26-year-old, 27-year-old. They'll pay them the elite level of, of salary. They just don't want to pay it to the 30-year-old, to the 31-year-old, 32-year-old, because they're, they've been burned so many times. I mean, you start going through all of the 20-plus million-dollar contracts that are out there, and, and how many of them actually work? And there's so few of them that as you play it out, actually were good deals for the team. And look, I made those deals, too. I said to myself, you know what? I'm having to give them one or two years more than I want to. But if I want to get them, I kind of have to do it. And I'll worry about it then. You know, when I get there, I'll worry about how I make it work. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. The deterioration happens a bit more quickly than you want to give credit to. Uh, and it's much more difficult to manage it later uh, around all of the other money, especially if you got a chance to be a competitive team. Uh, it's just, you know, teams are a lot smarter now, not trying to – to worry about the three or four years later and the fact that everybody's doing it, you know, except the Giants. Like, the Giants are still buying the old guys. They're the only one. And maybe that's a value for them. Maybe they're, they've cornered the market on that sort of decision. Everybody else is saying, I'm not going there. And the good thing is, I know nobody else is either, so I don't have to chase that other team doing something crazy. Well, how about uh, in the case of David Wright here, as we're talking kind of how the, the finances mesh, because we know the fans, they would like to see Pete Alonzo. And I, again, I understand the first base logjam the Mets have. they got to find some things out here. Uh, but the fans would also love to see David Wright. Now, if he is activated in September, that insurance clock resets. And for the first two months of next season, even if David's not able to play, the Mets would have to pay full price. Should that be... You know, a factor here from the Mets' point of view as to whether or not they give David Wright the opportunity to play in some games in September. No, I, I not at all. I, I absolutely not. I wouldn't bring him up either uh, and activate him. Here, here's the thing: is that that he's not capable predictably of playing back-to-back games. I mean, he he. You know, I read the stories. I read his quotes. I mean, you know, three games in a row is just completely unlikely. You know, he says, listen, it's a good day if only one of my neck, shoulder, or back, neck, back, and, and, and uh, uh, shoulder are hurting. Uh, and he said that it's a, you know, it's a pretty bad day when two of them are hurting, and it's a really bad day when all three of them are hurting. And so, you know, you look at that, and he can't predictably play a day and come back to the ballpark and be in the lineup the next day, but he's not a healthy enough player to be activated. Now, people can say, well, you've got to expand a roster mm-hmm. in September. You don't have to be able to do that. But, but, that's not how you manage players. That's not how you manage a team. Uh, and I absolutely would not forego the insurance payments on that, uh, which would cost them effectively, I think it's like $2.4 million in insurance in September is what they're getting of the three-plus million of the salary. Yeah. Uh, and then you'd say, okay, so two-plus million there. And then you'd also have to pay it the entire salary uh, next year. Uh, For the and, first two and, months, and April and May, and April yeah. May. So you're you're effectively getting up to about eight or nine million dollars, so that he can play. And here's the thing: you can't carry him on a 25 man roster. No. You can only do it now. And so for playing in what might be 10 games in September, it would cost them nine million dollars. There's no chance I'd activate him. He hasn't earned. I mean, they're not paying all of the money that he's making here. They're paying 25 percent of it when he is out. 
the idea of him getting some closure on his career at the very least, even if it's, you know, you could do it the last week of the season, right, and save some of that $2 million plus in the month of September, you got to give him an opportunity to to have, you know, some kind of closure here on, on his career, do you not? He's trying to work his well, way back. Yeah, I, after the uh, at the end of the 2020 season, uh, then, you know, you may do that that September to be able to activate him to give him that closure on the field. So, so yes, I think in September of 2020, if he's not able to play on a regular basis to be activated as a player that can be counted on like any other player, then I think you give him that closure in September of 2020. But you, you can't give it to him now because it's not the end. It's just part of the process, and, and he's got to be able to be healthy to play. So I, I, I appreciate, listen, I think he should be in the dugout in September. I'd love for the fans to see him out. Listen, there's not, I respect his perseverance. So many other guys would say, I, my body's just not letting me do it anymore. I'm going to retire and, and take disability the rest of the way. He'd still get paid. The Mets would still get insurance. Like Mo Vaughn did that. Mo Vaughn couldn't play anymore with his knee. So he walked away from playing, collected the insurance, you know, or, you know, he got his salary, his normal salary. The Mets got insurance on his money, uh, and it worked that way. David Wright's not walking away. He wants to keep fighting and scratching a claw, and I've got so much respect for that. But uh, there's no way the Mets should eat that, you know, start paying him again. And so he's doing this with no hope. I mean, if you're the GM, he, he's got three years until he can help out. No, the, 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 here's, the, but he understood. I mean, look, I know he'd like to play, but, but if, if he can't be a player that can be counted on every day, then it means his body has given out on him, and it's just not going to happen. Uh, and I think the Mets are doing the right thing with it. I would do the exact same thing, and I would respect David Wright and treat him with the utmost respect, and, and, and he is battling hard. And, and if he's going to keep fighting through this, then in September of 2020, I activate him and give him his last hurrah so he gets that closure. But you can't do it right now and end up having to pay him for the first two months of the season next year as well when you know there's very little chance he could be part of a 25-man roster because he can't play back-to-back days or three days in a row. The Grinch, Steve. You're the Grinch. Yeah, I know. I feel bad. I mean, I, I love the guy. Right. And, and, you know, I was, we, we signed him when I was general manager. So I love him. Uh, and I have so much respect for what he was as a player and for what he is as a person uh, and for his perseverance. But it's a business decision right now. And it's and, and I think you have to look at it that way. Well, that is certainly the business perspective. And uh, we do appreciate you providing it for us. Uh, Steve Phillips here on Sirius XM. And uh, Steve, thanks so much for the time. OK, you got it. Thanks.